Good morning, brothers and sisters. If you could turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. And so as you're turning there, let me just remind you that tonight is our monthly prayer meeting. This is going to be a great opportunity for us to encourage one another and be together in prayer, to pray for some needs here in the church. And so uh, we have several important needs that we want to cover in prayer. And so we want to just invite you and remind you that tonight in Upper Chapel 3 on the third floor at 615, um, come to this afternoon's or evening's prayer time. And so this is actually one of the, our third most important time of gathering. The first one is this. This is the most important. Second is our members meeting. And thirdly is this monthly prayer meeting. So we just want to remind you to please come uh, to this event tonight. So here we are as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. It says this, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Let's pray one last time. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word. God, I pray that you would speak to me, speak through me. God, I pray that, Lord, I would be dependent on you and you alone. Lord, I pray for us as men to, to grow, and Lord, for us as believers in Christ in this room to grow as well, to mature into believers in the faith. And so, God, help us this morning. Open our hearts and open our ears and our eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, years ago, I remember hearing the story of a, of a young man who was getting married, and he was excited like, like most couples. They were excited to get married, and uh, like any couple who, who wanted to prepare themselves for marriage, they went to their pastor, and they said, Pastor, we want to go through premarital counseling. And so they attended this premarital counseling, and in premarital counseling, the pastor told them, okay, he told this young man, he looked at him and said, you're responsible to protect your wife, to guard her. The problem was that they had a neurological disorder called cerebral palsy. Perhaps you know someone who has this. Both of them suffered from this debilitating disease. And if you're not aware of cerebral palsy, what it does, it affects your muscles, it affects your balance and your ability to stand. And so it often can lead people to, to being in wheelchairs for the rest of their life. And so in premarital counseling, this pastor told him this, you're responsible to protect your wife. When he told him, how do, I, how do I do this, Pastor, with my debilitating illness? How do I do this? And this pastor looked at him and said, well, whatever happens to your wife, if any harm is about to befall her, just put yourself between her and this harm. And so weeks later, as they got married and he attended church, he, uh, the pastor noticed that he had cuts and bruises on his face. And he went to this young man. He goes, what happened? What happened to your face? He said, well, Pastor... This past week, we went out for a walk as a married couple, and it began to rain. And as it began to rain, it began to get slippery. And my wife, as she was walking, she, figured, she began to slip, and she began to fall. And knowing that I didn't have the ability to catch her, I remembered what you said, to put yourself between her and harm's way. So I threw myself on the ground, and she landed on me with all her force. And because of that, I got bruises and cuts, but I protected her. You know, isn't this a wonderful picture of what it means to be a man, to serve, to have leadership, to, to sacrificially love and to encourage and have courage in the midst of a challenging moment? You know, 
This morning, we're going to look at Paul and how he calls Christians in the church to mature. So as we read this verse, verse 13 and 14, we see that we have to set up the context, right? Because we're only talking about two verses at the very end of this letter. And so what we have to understand is here's Corinth, this city, a large city. Corinth, a large city near the sea. And he's writing to an international church. Can you imagine living in a big city near the sea at an international church? I think it's not very hard for you to understand that, that, that who he's writing to. It's very similar to Abu Dhabi. And Paul's just spent the last 15 chapters addressing the Corinthians, addressing them in disputes that they've had. They've, there was some that were saying, I'm from Paulus, or Paul, I'm from Apollos, I'm from Cephas, I'm from Christ, I follow this person. And so he's addressing these issues. There's sexual sin in the church. There's arguments over food and idols. There's arguments over spiritual gifts. Some were saying, I'm better because I have this spiritual gift. Some members were taking each other to court. And now in the Corinthian church, there was fighting, there was backstabbing, and there was division. And you see, Paul loved the Corinthians, and he wanted them to mature in their faith and mature in their walk with Christ. And so he gives them five imperatives. These are the five that we just read. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. And so this morning, my hope is that we too grow in maturity. So how do these two short verses that you and I just read help us and call us to mature? Well, this morning, I want to share three marks of, of growing in your faith. Let's look at mark number one. Be willing to guard the faith. Be willing to guard the faith. Let's look at verse 13 here. It's very short. So how do we grow as Christians? It says this, be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Let's first talk about being watchful here. So here, last week, as you remember, Pastor Aubrey preached on Proverbs 31. And in this chapter of Proverbs 31, we see this military language. And we see that, that this is meant to edify the believers. And it's being displayed in a woman. Well, here in 1 Corinthians 16, we see similar military language and Yet, it's edifying the believers and displayed in a man. And so Paul first urges the Corinthians to be watchful. And another way of saying be watchful is really to say be alert. Be alert, everyone. You know, this is soldier language here. And soldiers were often called to protect uh, royal officials or guard prisoners. And they needed to be watchful. We can see examples of where prisoners were not watchful during this time. But Paul tells them to be watchful. And so what did he mean by be watchful? I mean, if I were to tell you guys, hey, everyone, just be careful when you leave. You think, well, what do you, what do you, be careful of what? Careful of cars? Careful of food? Care well, what does Paul mean when he says be careful, be watchful? Well, perhaps he means be watchful of Christ's return. Christ is going to come back, uh, brothers and sisters, so be watchful. Maybe he meant it like he did in 1 Thessalonians. Keep awake. Be sober. Maybe he meant be watchful of our enemies. You know, during this time, the, the early church was facing a lot of persecution. So maybe he's saying, hey, be watchful of your enemies. I think what he's saying is be watchful of harmful influences that creep their way into the church. You know, given the context of 1 Corinthians and all that's happened so far, I think this is what he meant. Let's look at some ways that things were creeping into the church. The first way is division. Division. 
Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He starts his letter by saying this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. See, the unity of this church in Corinthians and Corinth was being ripped apart. They no longer cared about each other. They only cared about themselves. I think this is a call for us as well, that we too need to be careful. We need to be aware that division can creep into the church. So I want to ask you that question. Is there quarreling among you this morning? Do you know someone who's quarreling? Maybe you're upset with another member. Is that beginning to creep its way into your life? Maybe this morning you sat over here because someone that you're having a quarrel with is sitting over here. Or maybe you're sitting in Upper Chapel 1, Main Hall 1, because someone you know and you're quarreling with is sitting in the basement. So brothers, sisters, maybe this morning we need to make amends and go to that brother and sister. Be aware of arguments and division. You know, there's another way that division can creep its way into the local church. That is with cultures, especially in a context like Corinth and a context like here where there's many cultures represented. Does culture divide you? Do you only fellowship with those who are part of your home country? You know, I think a good question to ask yourself is, who are you going to have lunch with today? Who have you had lunch with the last month? If it's only people from your culture, ask yourself, why am I doing this? Am I creating a division in the church? And so, brothers and sisters, beware of cultural division. Let's look at another uh, way the church is falling or failing to be watchful. 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. There was sexual sin creeping into the church. Sexual sin was creeping into the church, and it was so bad that even non-Christians, even pagans were saying, this is bad. What's going on in this church, these Christians, whatever they're doing, yeah, we don't even do it. That's bad. You know, Corinthians forgot about God's divine design for sex. And so we too, I think, need to be aware of this, of sexual sin that creeps its way into the church. I have a question for you. Are you guarding yourself? Are you being watchful of sexual sin? You know, last week, Pastor Aubrey in Proverbs 31 addressed, addressed the issue of pornography. But we need to be watchful. And I want to be clear, this is not simply an issue that men deal with. Many women deal with this issue as well. We must train our eyes. We have to seek accountability. We have to be willing to confess our sins when we fall into this. So, brothers and sisters, beware of sexual sin in the church. On and on, Paul continues, and he, he warns them of harmful influences that creep their way into the church. And he tells them, hey, be watchful. Be watchful of pride. Be watchful of conflict. Be watchful of arrogance. Be watchful of jealousy. Be watchful of thinking you're better than the other person. Be watchful of are the, all these little things that plant their seeds in your heart and begin to grow. That's what Paul's saying here. I want to speak to little kids here, little children. I want you to be watchful as well. This isn't just for adults. When your mom or dad say, hey, don't, don't watch this, listen to them. 
They're wanting to be watchful over your little heart, over your little eyes. Be watchful. Teens, if there's any teens here, I want you to be watchful. You know, you're in a unique stage of life and your, your, your worldview is being shaped and you're, you're, you're having questions about life and about God and about forming your thoughts on life and you're dealing with difficult questions. You're wrestling with difficult questions. And so, maybe some of you wrestle with this very topic of manhood and womanhood. You know, God's word teaches us that God created man and woman in his own image. You know, years ago when I was a kid, I remember there were only two genders. Teens, I know you're dealing with something that is very difficult. Now, they say there are over 50 genders. As a matter of fact, on Facebook, they give you 56 profiles, different gender identities that you can choose. You see, teens, be watchful of these things. Be watchful. I want to encourage you that if you're struggling in this area and you're, you have questions, go to your mom, go to your dad, go to one of us, go to a member. Know that God's word tells us how he created men and women. And so it's our responsibility to be watchful together. You know, I have a special book here. Yes, it's the Bible, but I got another special book. The second most important book that you can own is this, the church directory. I want to ask you, if your name and picture is in this book, are you guarding the faith? Are you guarding this church? Are you being watchful? You see, we guard the, we guard the faith by being watchful, but we also guard the faith by standing firm in this faith. Let's look at verse 13. It says, be watchful, and he says, stand firm in the faith. Again, we continue to see this military language that Paul uses here. He's saying stand firm, and often soldiers stand, and, and there's some of you I know here who are in the military, and you know what it means to stand at attention. And I think of those who grew up in England. I remember as a kid looking at, watching these videos of the Queen's guards at the palace who are standing straight, ready, defensive, ready to, to do whatever they have to do to protect the queen. And of course, you have these tourists who are there taking selfies with them, making sure they don't touch them, otherwise not good things will happen. And so, like soldiers, Paul instructs the Corinthians to stand. And Paul's not just saying stand in your own strength. What he's telling them is to stand, stand, straight, or stand firm in the faith. That's what Paul says. Matter of fact, this wasn't the first time that Paul was encouraging the Corinthians and reminding them to stand firm in the faith. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. This is earlier. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here the Corinthians are struggling to stand firm in the gospel. You see, they knew the truth, but they were rejecting the truth. And Paul's pleading with them, hold fast, hold on to this gospel, trust it, trust me, this gospel is real, this gospel will get you through everything that you've been dealing with in these 15 chapters. And Paul knew what it meant to stand firm in the faith. You know, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 23 through 27, 
You can look at that later. He talks about how he stands from the faith. He talks about his struggles. He talks about being in prison. He talks about being beaten and near death, beaten with rods, beaten with lashes. He talks about being shipwrecked. He talks about being lost at sea. He talks about being in danger, not being able to trust a Jew, not being able to trust Gentiles. Everyone was attacking him. And this great apostle Paul at one point was cold, hungry, and naked. He didn't even have clothes to proclaim the gospel. Paul knew what it meant to stand firm in the faith. So here you have these two contrasting examples. You have the great apostle Paul, and you have the Corinthian church. I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, standing firm in the faith is not easy. It's sometimes difficult. It takes courage. It takes boldness. It takes trusting in a sovereign God. Isn't it true that if we ask ourselves deep in our hearts, are we more like the Corinthians at times than we are like Paul? You know, this is true, and it happened at the very beginning of time when God created Adam. Genesis 2.15 says this, The Lord God took a man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You see, man was commanded by God to work it and keep it. This signifies a watching over, a, a protecting, a guarding, a garden, or guarding this, uh, this here. This is what God is telling us. And so we know that Adam was given this great responsibility. Adam, take care of this. Guard it, protect it. What happened? He failed. Let's see where he failed. In Genesis 3, verse 4 and 6, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired and make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. Where was Adam? When this was happening, where was he? You know, maybe we like to think that he was out hunting, creating bows, ready to kill animals so that he could provide food for, for Eve. Maybe we want to think that he was um, in his prayer room praying for Eve. Or maybe we want to think that he was gathering wood for those cold nights to burn and be able to protect his family and keep her warm. But what does the text tell us in Genesis 3, 6? It says this. And she also gave, them, gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You see, there's Adam, like this, watching the serpent, perhaps standing behind his wife as the serpent deceived her. Clearly, he was not standing firm in the faith. Men, are you standing firm in the faith? Are you standing firm in the faith? Like Adam, we're called to be the gatekeepers of our home. And see, this will be difficult. This will, will face opposition. Will require, uh, it will require us to reject passivity. And so I want to speak to the husbands. Are you guarding the faith? Does your wife feel protected? Does your wife trust you? Are you cherishing your wife every day? Do you know what God is teaching your wife? In this season of life, do you take the initiative and lead? I want to speak to the dads. 
Are you guarding the faith of your children? Do you know what your kids are watching? Do you know what your kids are listening to? Do you know what your kids are, are, are looking at on the internet? Video games. Do you know what the games contain? Do you know what messages are in their WhatsApp and their phone? All this helps to guard the faith for the single man in this room. This gift of, of singleness that God has given you in this season of life, are you growing in your faith? Are you showing integrity in all that you do? Are you spending your time wisely? And are you a great witness to those in your workplace? Are you aspiring to be an elder, to fulfill these qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, in Titus 1? Are you saying, I want to be like that, man? Last week, we were encouraged. We want to be like the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, do we, are you wanting to be like the man in 1 Timothy 3? Aspire for this. So together, brothers and sisters, we guard the faith. And the second mark is that we grow in the faith is by growing in maturity. So we grow in maturity. Let's look at verse 13 once again. The two ways we grow in maturity is by acting like men and being strong. The first thing he says is we act like men. You know, in certain cultures, I'm aware that this, this is language could be difficult, maybe even offensive to you, and uh, as though acting like men is the greatest uh, a form of achievement here. It's the greatest compliment, right? Imagine maybe perhaps in your mind you have this image of a man walking around with his chest up and walking around like he's the man and being the authority. You know, growing up as a Mexican, there was a, uh, there were, we would call these men who would walk around with their chest puffed out, acting like they, were they knew everything and they were God's gift to every person in the world. We would call them machismos. Machismos. And let me tell you this. Machismo is a strong or aggressive masculine pride. And we would say it in a way that's not good. It's not good when someone calls you a machismo. So if someone ever calls you that, don't take it as a compliment. Don't say, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. No, it is not a good thing. And here, Paul, when he says act like men, he's not saying be machismo. No. So what, is, what does Paul mean when he says act like men? Well, in one sense, he, he is specifically calling the men in Corinth to step up. You know, again, we see this military language here, and he's saying to, to act like men. You know, in the first century, the reality was that women were not in the military. They did not fight. Men were the ones who were soldiers. Men were the ones who went to battle. Men were the ones who fought the enemies. Men were the ones who died in battle. Boys did not go to war. Men did. And so when Paul says, act like men, it's really demanding a young boy to grow up and to take responsibility. He's demanding to, to, for a young boy to lead well. He's demanding that young boys protect others and grow up, act like men, to serve others, to sacrificially lay down your life if need be. You know, this can feel overwhelming for, for some of you in this man, especially if you were here and your father wasn't a great example or didn't show you how to be a man. And so, men of ECC, how are we growing? You know, last week, Pastor Aubrey shared and spoke on um, Proverbs 31, and what he talked about, he, gave these, he mentioned these three women who had prayed through the church directory. 
I'll tell you, these women, these sisters in the church, serve as an example of standing firm in the faith. Praise God for these women. But I want to ask the men a question. Were you challenged by this? Have you been praying through the directory? Did you grab a directory and say, I want to pray through the directory as well. I want to do this. I'm called to guard the church. I'm called to protect my members. Are you committed to this church? Or do you simply come to church and then walk out? Men, this call should challenge each and every one of us. And so, yes, Paul is talking to men. But in another sense, he's talking to all of us. He says, act like men. And this is really a call to maturity. So in a way, Paul is saying, hey, Corinthians, grow up. Grow up. Paul's calling the church to, to mature. He's seen everything that they've done. They're not acting mature. And here Paul's exhorting the Corinthians to put away their childish behaviors, to grow up. This is what he means by act like men. You know, the Corinthians were not understanding this, and they were not growing in maturity. And so, Paul earlier had to remind them of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You see, Paul's using this analogy for these Christians. He's comparing them to children, and not the way that Jesus did, not in a good way. No, he's comparing them to children, and he points out their immaturity as Christians. You know, the Corinthians spoke like children. They thought like children. They reasoned like children. They were selfish like children. And if you're a parent here, and you have children, then you know what Paul kind of meant during this time. Siblings fight. They fight over silly things. They fight over the front seat of the car or the middle seat. One week they want the back seat, and then the other week they want the front seat. They fight over silly things. They fight over toys. You know, they don't, kids don't want that toy until the other kid wants it. Then that's my toy. They shout at each other. Emotions are everywhere. They hit each other. If they're very small, they bite each other. Hopefully none of you teens are doing that. But this is who Paul was comparing the Corinthians to, children. Paul calls them to maturity. And as a matter of fact, I've seen many in this church, even in my three and a half years here, grow in maturity. I'm encouraged by some of you in that, that I've seen just grow, desire to grow in the faith, desire to serve and grow. And so we grow in maturity by acting like men, by maturing. But the second way is by being strong. He says in verse 13, be strong. Here Paul gives this fourth imperative to the Christians. He's not saying, hey, Corinthians, you need to go to the gym, you know, uh, start lifting some weights, you know. There's a guy named Aubrey. He's kind of strong, but not really. Um, you got to be outlifting him. No, he's not talking about physical strength, although Soldiers were men were wanting to, needed to be somewhat strong. I mean, you didn't want a soldier not being able to lift a sword, right? You didn't want that. But in the context, what Paul is saying is be strong in the face of errors. Remember everything that the Corinthians are dealing with. 
Paul's calling the Corinthians to be strong and, in a sense, be courageous. You know, the Corinthians were anything but courageous. They were unwilling to stand for the gospel. They were unwilling to stand against temptations of the world. They were unwilling to stand against lies. They were unwilling to do all these things, and Paul is telling them to be strong. And so, brothers and sisters, we too, in 2021, are facing real battles. And living in this world is going to require us to be courageous, every single one of us. It's going to be take courage for us to stand for biblical truth. We live in a world that's hostile to Christianity, that rejects the gospel, and we need to be courageous. And one of the ways we need to be courageous is by saying this is God's word, and it is the ultimate and final authority for every decision in life. You know, we live in a world where there's, there's no absolute truths now. You know, people will say, well, we're all right. I mean, nearly every religion is right. All roads lead to heaven. As long as you're a good person, you'll get there. Every road will eventually lead us to God. Well, that's not even true in the natural world, right? If I say, hey, let's, how do you get to, to Yas Mall? I'd say, oh, yeah, just take any road. It'll take you there. If you ask how to get to Ream Island, I'd say, oh, yeah, just take any road. It'll lead you, lead you there. You'd laugh at me. You'd say, that's not true. And yet that's the thought that people have in 2021, that all roads lead to heaven. You know, we had a, a, a neighbor over who's not a believer, and we had her over for dinner, and she said to us, well, it, every, it, we, we have to all be right. And I said, well, we're not all right. I mean, some say this, and some say this. There's no way for us for it to be right. I said, there has to be truth. I said, we're having Arabic food. What if I told you we're not having Arabic food right now? You would say, well, that's a lie. I can't say, well, no, it's, it's truth. This is the world we live in where there's no absolute truths. We live in a world where, where we have to have courage because there's a stance against authority of Scripture. Some would just say, well, these are just words that were written by men. I'll take some parts of it, but I'll toss out the rest. We have to be courageous. You know, we live in a world where we're we need to be courageous against things like abortion. Millions of babies are being slaughtered. The value of life has been downplayed. Abortion in some countries is celebrated and even encouraged. And I want to speak, if you're here and you've done this, you've committed abortion, God loves you. There is grace. There is forgiveness in the cross. There is nothing you could do that would ever Cause God not to forgive you. So today, just repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. He will forgive. You know, we have to be brave and courageous when it comes to sexuality. You know, society is now blurring the lines between manhood and womanhood. Everything is now gender neutral. You know, and if you think that you live in the UAE and it's safe in every area, and it is very safe, and I'm thankful for it, but there's things that creep in to your sons and daughters and our phones, through our internet, through our TVs. So standing for biblical truth will require courage. So brothers and sisters, we need to be strong.
we display the marks of maturity by guarding the faith and growing in maturity. But all this is tied to love. And so the third mark of maturity is this. We live a life of love. Let's look at verse 14. He says this, let all that you do be done in love. Now, as we reflect on the four imperatives in verse 13, he's already said, hey, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. And these four imperatives really remind us to be faithful to the gospel message. But in verse 14, he reminds us to be faithful to one another. You know, Paul here is emphasizing their need to genuinely love each other. Verse 14 says, let all that you do, not just some, but all that you do be done in love. Paul wants them to know this true gospel unity is only manifested through love. You know, yesterday I was uh, at home, and it's a special day for many Americans. Thanksgiving. It's one day where you just basically commit the sin of gluttony, and you eat. And for some of you, turkey's not a big deal, like... My brother JP was just saying he doesn't like it, and the reason is because it's dry. And I would agree with you. But I found a recipe. Don't share it with anyone. This recipe required 400 grams of butter. Now, I thought to myself, well, they must have made a typo. They must have meant 600. So that's what I got, 600 grams of butter. And what you do is you cut up this parsley, and you add salt and oil because you don't want to burn the butter. And then you get it, and you mix it all together. And then you lift the skin of the bird, and you stuff it in there as much as you can all throughout the turkey so it doesn't dry out. And then with the leftover butter, because that's what there is left over when you use 600 grams, you spread it all over the turkey. And so the entire turkey is absolutely saturated with butter. You know, Paul here is referring to love in the same way. You don't just add a little butter or a little love over here, Christian. You don't just love on Friday mornings, or you don't just love when you're meeting with your life group, or you don't just love when you see another Christian in the church. No, he's saying you saturate every part of your life with love. Love isn't just an extra thing. It's the main ingredient in the Christian life. So Paul is saying, when it comes to being watchful, show love. When it comes to standing firm in the faith, show love. When it comes to acting like men and growing to maturity, show love. When it comes to being strong, show love. And as we reflect on the last 15 chapters, as we think through it, what he's really saying is, hey, as you are quarreling with each other, why? Show love. As you're creating division amongst the church, why are you doing that? Show love. When you're dealing with husband and wife relationships here in Corinth, why are you doing that? Show love. These debatable matters that we have in the church because we come from different cultures, he's saying show love. Love should affect every area of our lives. And so, brothers and sisters, it should reflect every area of our lives. When it comes to how we speak, how we speak at work, how we speak in our home, how we speak to our spouse, how we speak to our children, how we speak at school, how we speak to other church members, it should reflect love. When it comes to how we act, 
whether it's here, whether it's out there, it should reflect love. When nobody's watching, how do we act? It should reflect love. When it comes to what we watch, whether it's in the daytime or nighttime, it should reflect God's love. Does how we serve others in this room reflect God's love? Would someone look at you and say, oh yeah, I know that brother, I know that sister. Man, love just saturates their life. So if you, thaw, if you think all this that I've just shared sounds overwhelming and impossible, I want to tell you that it is. It is absolutely impossible in your own strength. And Paul's telling them, and he's telling us, you don't do it in your own strength. And this is an amazing news of the gospel. Because the reality is, brothers and sisters, that you and I are like the Corinthians. We've failed. You and I are like Adam. We've failed. But there was one who was perfect and who fulfilled all five of these commands. He was watchful. He stood firm. He acted like a man. He was strong. He loved. And that person is Christ. He did what we could not do. You know, this beautiful gospel message is the story of God who would come by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay a humiliating death on the cross for our sin and die. But death could not contain him. Death could not hold him. He would rise from the grave in glory. And you see, like this young man that I spoke of earlier in the story, Christ, too, would put himself in harm's way. Christ would put himself between us, sinful human beings, and God's wrath. And Christ would take that wrath on for us. So if you're here and you're a non-believer, I want to encourage you repent. Turn to this loving God who loves you, who cares for you, who wants to see you grow in maturity. And here for the church, let's continue to grow and mature as believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you because, God, you are good. And Lord, I ask that you would guide us today. You'd help us to mature Help us to seek after you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.